So with the blind uh, coming out soon, um, Zach, what I've noticed is is with independent films, uh, especially, I guess, faith films, it's, it's really hard to get that momentum like the big studios have because they have these big contracts, all that stuff, and we're just kind of building this thing from scratch. Is that is that a good way to look at it? Yeah, and I think just underscores the importance of getting out now. Buying tickets today, they're for sale right now as we're sitting here talking. Uh, the movie comes out September 28th, but... And I really want to encourage you guys to get out and purchase your tickets today at theblindmovie.com. And I think we're viewing this movie from our perspective as a mission effort. I mean, this is the gospel going out to impact yeah. people's lives because it impacted our lives. So check it out, theblindmovie.com. Uh, buy your tickets today. I am unashamed. What about you? So I'm on the road a lot. We were talking about uh, Maddie, who's our normally does uh, the producing of our podcast. She took an early. She got off a little bit early. We got a little break coming up, so she got off. So we got Jordan in the house today, but Maddie was, uh, I think, heading down to the beach. And so I'm on that road back and forth quite a bit. And it was interesting, Jace, because you talked about when we celebrated your birthday on a podcast a few uh, about a few podcasts back. You talked about Woodstock and, you know, that we were talking a little bit about the hippies. And um, so I was, I stopped to get gas in Forest, Mississippi, a little small Mississippi town. Was it a forest? Well, there was a lot of, there's a lot of trees there. I guess that's well, what they call it that. And so uh, it's one of my regular, you know, I've got all the, the best bathrooms mapped out from Monroe to Gulf Shores, Alabama, because there's some, you only stop for emergencies. There's, there's the the ones that are clean. That's the ones you try to make it to, you know, on your regular stop. And one of them is in Forest, Mississippi. It's got a nice little truck stop there. And I pulled in and get gas. And because it's not a lot around there, she's always pretty busy there because it's clean. Everybody's like me. If you're doing a lot of traveling, you know, a lot of trucks there. And I looked up and lined up as I'm driving in, kind of parked, not at the gas, but kind of behind the gas station. There's a group of vehicles, and they all are old. I mean, very old, like 60s and 70s. They got stuff painted all over them. They got the peace sign, and and I was like, hmm, that's kind of modern weird. day hippies. Modern day hippies. And so then I started looking at the people that were like milling around. They were all young people, and they were dressed like the hippies of your era, Dad. They had the kind of robe looking clothes on, and. And nobody had shoes on. And so I was looking at it, I said, are these hippies? So I, so I pulled in, you know, and they all, they were just kind of talking amongst themselves. And I noticed they had a bunch of gas cans. And there were two or three of them. They were over there getting gas over at a pump. But they weren't filling the vehicles. They were putting them in cans. So I was trying to figure out what was happening. This kid walks up to me. And he had the cornrow hair. and uh, and But very nice, very polite young man. And he said, uh, he said, hey, we're, we're heading from uh, the West Coast to Atlanta, Georgia. And he had a gas can in his hand. He said, uh, could I ask you maybe to, to loan us some, he didn't say loan us, he said, give us some gas. And I looked back over at all the vehicles. I said, are y'all hippies? <laughs> and he, he laughed when I said that. He said, well, sort of. He said, kind of. He said, you know, there's a big group of us. And I said, where are you from? He said, well, I'm from Washington State. I said, well, you're a long way from us. I said, you know, we're, you're in Forest, Mississippi. He said, yes, sir. He was very respectful. And I just, I found it funny that he was a hippie. 
And, and I since said, he was respectful, let me guess, you got him some gas. I got him some gas. He won me over. I was like, you know, he, he was a little rank. He could have used a bath, I think. I don't know. They've been camping out, I guess. And I looked at his can. I said, well, i tell you what. I said, uh, well, I said what, what do y'all do in Atlanta? He said, well, we, you know, there's a big group of people getting together. and, and we're. I think we're at some to... point you should have said, are you looking for work? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. Do you know Jesus, right? So I said, well, i tell you what. I said, I, I tell you what, we're we're gonna I'm gonna give you a tank of gas or a can of gas. I said, and he said, Oh, we really appreciate that. And so that's what they were doing. They were coming over to ask for gas to go back and fill up all the vehicles so they could get to the next leg of the trip. So it's funny, so we we had two vehicles because we you know, we were traveling, Alex was with us and had grandkids and so I was filling up two different vehicles here. Well we're living a spiritually fulfilled uh Zone on here, what you've entered, and we're it, but you got a little gas for I come up the road. <laughs> That's what they had. So I go back and say, well, let, let me, I said, I'm putting premium in my truck, but I'm putting regular in this one back here. Let's go get this one out of here. Well, he looked around because nobody was there, but it was gas going in. Well, I, he didn't realize I was filling up both. So he looked at me kind of funny, like, are we fixing to steal <laughs> from these people here and i said no no, this is my vehicle too i said and he's like oh, oh, oh yes sir thank you you, you know. should have said look i have special powers i can actually drive two vehicles simultaneously <laughs> that's, right. that's what i should have said i should have just said hey let's go over here and steal from I guarantee this guy if right you'd here. have said that he'd said what you smoking bro <laughs> well i did hear one of them overheard one of them who there was a van that actually was putting gas in her tank and I heard her, I overheard her tell some people in the back, no sex in my van. I did hear that later. And mm. I thought, hmm, this is. Yeah, funny. that'd be kind of rude. <laughs> well, that was what she said. So I don't know what all was happening, but there are hippies, Jace. They're still doing Woodstock. I mean, you did a nice thing. It may, you know, I don't know how that. <laughs> I mean, it just I, happened, and I thought about it after we talked about Woodstock the other day. That story hit me, and I thought, I mean, I just, normally I would have said no, probably, but then he just kind of won me over because he wasn't what I expected. He was, he was. But I think, you know, Woodstock and things like that, it comes out of, even today, I think it comes out of frustration from leadership, you know, leaders of the country. Leadership uh, at church, one hundred percent, you know, and right. hypocrisy, which is what we're going to talk about. Because but. they were, they were, all, you could tell they, 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 the, the, the theme of what they were about, unity, love, and all that. Those were good things. I mean, that's why you know that movie, Jesus Revolution. You know, th- there were a lot of hippies that came to Christ because they they were seeking something. They didn't know what. But when they found Jesus, they found what it really was. You can find those things. Oh, I've said that before. All these issues that we call, you know, far left things that they want to do, Jesus takes all those is- the same issues, yeah. bringing all people together. Yeah. You know, the environment. I mean, if you can create the environment, right? He's going to fix that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so, really, that that's that's kind of the angles I go with on those types of people i mean you know what was the the famous song imagine imagine all the people you yeah, know that's living. the john lennon song I'm like well yeah that i'm more than imagining that i'm living that it's called the kingdom of god on <laughs> earth we're doing it where we're all one right so 
Which, you know, it's funny, Jace, we're so misunderstood by the left because they say, well, you know, conservatives, they don't care about the environment. No, wait a minute. We know the creator well, and we trust in him. So it's not that we don't care about it. We're we're good conservationists. We 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 got two thousand almost two thousand acres down here. We're oh conserving. for hunting and fishing and you know what we do for the critters and birds and we love it. Yeah, I was just when I was in Wyoming. You're fixed ahead there. Uh, the guy that was that had bought the place we were at. I mean that was his whole mission is to go in where places have been abused and. Clean it up, you know, get the trout back in the creek and make it a place for birds. And so he was, you know, he was asking my opinion because I do the same thing. I'm like, you know, we we love this, but, and we respect it. And we know it one day, wherever we're going to live, you know, when you're in good with the creator of the universe, the environment is going to be nice. Oh, it's going to be awesome. So I wanted to tell you a story. You know, I'm keeping grandkids at my house uh, this week. And so I have a 20-month-old and a 7-month-old, which means... We call that two under two, Dad. It's been a while since you had two under two. And It means my wife is working very hard, and <laughs> I can manage that. So, But it's a typical, you know, the firstborn, you know, my granddaughter, she's, she's a little bit high-maintenance, and then uh, the young boy... He's just happy to be here. Yeah. You know? you know, so several occasions I looked at her and said, you need to act more like him, <laughs> and this will go more smooth. <laughs> so anyway, Missy came in there, and she's like, I need a break. You know, you're up. I'm looking around like, oh, no. <laughs> she closed the door. I said, well, here we go. So that little one, the seven, he can't move, which is perfect. You can lay him down on a pallet. He can. He just. It, it, it's. It's incentive for him to try to learn how to crawl because he's. He's in the early stages of the crab crawl. Yeah. Is, is where he's headed. So I found one item that was just mesmerizing. We got a little track and it's got these. You push a button and it's these lit up vehicles and they just go round and round and he he just mouth open trying to make it stop. <laughs> The whole time, but it's just perfect because he's entertained. Yeah. He can't get to it, but he can't stop. Because he would eat it if he. <laughs> so I, you know, the 20 month girl, a little more challenging. So I'm trying everything and, you know, everything she wants to do, she points. She wants to go outside. You know, it's 104 degrees. I'm like, we're not going outside. She wants to go see Lulu, you know. Nope, she needs a break. So it's just, you're stuck with me. <laughs> So I took. You're we boring, Jay. Have this little. Well, I'm fixing to tell you a story that's <laughs> that's going to be hard for you to believe. But we have a toddler basketball goal. We got this when we, you know, had our our foster baby for a year. Yep. And uh, if he grows up to be a great star in anything to do with a ball, I'm going to take full credit for that because I taught him how to throw. I taught him. He's very good at the basketball. And I'm talking about one year old. Yeah. Every day he loves it. So I thought, well, maybe she'll she'll get into that. No, nope, not into it. Just I gave her the ball here. You can make. No, she threw it down. You know, eh? Back to pointing. <laughs> so I I tried to shoot, thinking maybe no. Once she saw it, yeah, no, nothing. I mean, I had no interest whatsoever. And I thought maybe it's because she's a girl. I I don't know. <laughs> but then I had a genius idea. 
I took the ball. So we have these three orange. They're about the size of a volleyball. And the little toddler goal, I would say it's about, you said it was. Three foot three, high. Three foot high. Yep. So I assumed the center position. And when I threw the ball under my legs at the goal from, you know, 12 feet away and miss, oh, she cackled. Now, this is funny. This is entertainment. You know, shooting it regular, no. But acting like a center, hiking it. So I did it probably 50 times. Didn't make a one. And she laughed, you know, every time until she didn't. So then I thought, what if I get all three balls and shoot them from the center position? Yeah. Oh, she went crazy. The <laughs> balls went everywhere. She's cackling, you know. And so about the 10th time that I tried this, from I would say 15 feet away, all three balls that I let go as a, as a like a, just think like when a center snaps it to a punter. Yeah. I mean, that, I was very far away. I was Deep on one snapping. side of the ring. Yeah. All three balls went in the goal. I made all three in one shot from a center position. And up until this point, I had made a one. I went nuts. <laughs> I'm like the greatest now, moment. Who's the toddler in this room? <laughs> look, the greatest moment in toddler basketball has happened. If I'd have got it on camera, well, yeah, on a phone, I'm talking about 10,000 guaranteed. I don't know if they still do that. But this would have gone viral. Look, I look at her. Nothing. It was it was only funny when I missed. <laughs> and so Missy comes out because she said, "What happened?" You know, she's panicking now because she heard. I leave. Me. I leave them with you for ten minutes. Well, she heard me and she thought something. You know, do I call nine one one? And I said, I went through the story. Well, she never changed facial expressions. <laughs> she's like and the I little said, toddler. The greatest thing that's ever i'm sure that this has never happened in the history of the world and my only eyewitness <laughs> is a 20 month toddler who's not impressed who wasn't impressed <laughs> and missy said there's a spiritual lesson in there somewhere for you <laughs> for you yeah for not me. for anybody else <laughs> <laughs> and then i thought yep we're studying about pharisees <laughs> It's not about my performance. I'm supposed to be like a kid uh, somewhere. It just didn't. It just didn't hit the mark, you know. But for me, that day and the Lord saw it. I hope in heaven we can replay that because that did happen. Because it, it's in your mind now. I mean, just think of fit from a physics standpoint. Three balls at so, one time, and they all went in. Just boom, 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 boom. It's incredible. <laughs> Yeah, child Jason. rearing is gets gets in old Jace's blood, doesn't it? <laughs> I've never tried any of that. I'm pretty sure this is the craziest story that you've ever heard. But who would make this up? Was and it happened? I believe it. And I have a witness. And when she learns the English language better, because we're having conversations, but I'm convinced that this girl knows seven languages. Because <laughs> she's always sounds well, like she's she's. And I'll respond, you know, but then she does another version of it, and she seems to know what she's saying. And then she'll say all this, and then I'm like, you want to go outside? And she's like, yes, please. I was like, well, she knows English. She just chooses 
all this other. It's such a different style than dad's. Dad's was always, all right, kids, yeah. move to the back. Yeah. <laughs> that was his style. Let's take a break. So, Jay's, you're about to be on the road. Uh, what's the one thing you'll miss the most? Oh, well, you know what I miss. I miss my own bed. <laughs> we all do. It's the worst part of traveling. And you try to find hotels that, that, you know, have a comfortable bed, but it's just not quite the same. Or if you're like Jay's, you're sleeping on the ground. Uh, Helix Sleep is uh, what we like to sleep on uh, at our houses. And the reason why is they have a fantastic uh, mattress. They have, uh, when we first got them, there's a, a 100-night trial um, so they give you almost a third of a year just to see if you really like the thing and you're going to like it. Uh, but if you don't, they'll take care of that. So it's, it's risk-free, uh, to be able to give it a shot. They have a 10 to 15 year warranty, uh, to try out their new mattresses. You go to their website, uh, helixsleep.com. You're going to take a quiz and a, a short quiz. And basically it's just to find out how you like to sleep. Some people like a little firmer mattress. Some people like it a little bit softer. So I want you to check it out. Uh, number one mattress picked by several magazines that says it's the best. We all use them. Helix Sleep is right now offering 25% off of all mattress orders and two free pillows for our unashamed listeners in honor of Labor Day. So we'd love that. Go to helixsleep.com unashamed and use the code HELIXPARTNER25. This is their best offer yet. It won't last long with Helix Better Sleep Starts now. Helixsleep.com slash unashamed. Use the code HelixPartner25. So in that vein, you can find some spiritual application in there somewhere. But we're in Luke 12. And I guess this is a part three of going down the Pharisee world. And look, I know it's a little deep because... This is the preview of the kingdom, and Jesus is getting opposition from the people who should have been supporting this. He came to fulfill this. He came to liberate you, and they're wanting to hold on to the old ritualistic law that all that did was bind them and make you realize that there's a God and you're not here. You You almost can tell if you just walk in amongst people with the pharisaical link it's pretty interesting that when you walk in the door, you you can sense it. Well, you can, and it's the number one. Uh, it's it's well, and not to make this political, but but actually, what's going on in our politics in America today with Trumpism is really an illustration of this because Trump comes along, he's an outsider, he wasn't a politician. And his deal was, hey, let's go in and just dump the apple cart. You know, let's just, this thing has been a strain. The establishment's terrible. Republican, Democrat, they're all bad. I'm going to go in here and just dump it over. Well, guess what? He's faced a little bit of opposition (laughs) from the people on the inside. And so really, it's just what's happening here. Jesus comes in and says, hey, guys, you're not believing this. We're fixing to have some rest. We're going to get away from this, you know, law and all these Experts are saying, "Wait a minute, that's what we do." Well, because I, I can we, tell you this, he—I didn't talk to him, but about three times. But all three times, Jesus was at the center of it, and he listened very carefully. Yeah, he's intrigued by it. That's yeah. for sure. Oh, well, yeah. the problem is the reason we read the Acts fifteen and Peter getting up and preaching the sermon, which you think for a Jew to get up and say, "Hey, these Gentiles, they can be just as clean as we are. I mean, he was putting them in the same category. And that 
was just like, what is he saying? We, can, they can, we can't let them in. Well, that's why the Pharisees didn't like Jesus, because he's putting them as human beings down with the prostitutes and those with leprosy. That was the point those, of the Good Samaritan story, yeah. And that's why pe- that's why this whole thing, which we're fixing to get into, you know, what you do with your money and your status and yep. your material possessions, and we're going to spend a whole chapter on it, many podcasts of it. And that's painful for people to do because they've put all their hope and all their power in what they have and who they are and what their status is. And Jesus... To your point about the hippie movement, is has leveled the playing field. That's it. He's like, there's one that's good. You're looking at him. But I'm going to give my life up so all of you can be good. We can all be together. And as human beings, we that goes against everything that we believe in. Yeah, think about what one of the reasons I never tell anyone that I'm an elder. There's another one sit, seated right there. Oh, oh, Al, uh, the son of man, Al, uh, you said, well, how many people have you told that you're an elder? I said, none. Well, you just told a lot. <laughs> the son of man <laughs> you told a few thousand. must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders. I just don't rush to tell people, yeah, that, that's the title one of the titles I have, same way without. But I don't advertise it by telling them. I either am an elder or I'm not. Yeah, the, But I'm yeah, certainly not getting in the way of Jesus Christ and the direction he goes. I'm with him. Well, because yeah. elders, you know, which simply means older. And Al, have you ever thought about that? No, I haven't. I mean, well, yes, I have, because I take it as a serious responsibility. You're right. But I always know, and this is the thing, because you didn't really want to, be recognized as an elder back when you right. were, and the and the reason I helped convince you to do it is I said, well, look, this is the the New Testament apostles. They they they're the ones that said this was a good idea. So you you just want to make sure you're an elder who understands Jesus, and your job is not to legislate, think up new rules and laws for people. Your job is to serve. Yeah. and shepherd people, and so it's it's just Jay's talked about the status idea. You don't want to be an elder. Oh, here's one of our elders, and come if, up if here, sit in the one, big seat. You want to be an elder down on his knees serving people. So if you are one, get ready for. You know, you probably would be surprised at at, at the, the well struggles I, you run up. I, on. I'll give you this example, Jace. We've talked about this in a past podcast recently because Jace is, you know, his family is dealing with some really difficult times, and Jace has been. An, he's not a recognized elder in the church, but he's an older man. So trust, trust me when I tell you this. He is he is fulfilling the role of an elder this week by shepherding people who are crushed by a terrible tragedy. That's when elders step up. Is when people are hurting, and you step in to serve them to help and lead them. That's what it's all yep. about. Well, when you go out there for the Lord, it it just attracts people who are broken, who have tragedy happen, who are battling. You know, demons as far as, you know, most of them coming from their own choices. But it, it just, it, it's going to, ha- it's it's part of this. It, it's uncomfortable. It's time consuming. It's frustrating. But when you think about what God has called us to do, 
you know, I'm not having to go look for that. Well, right. you know, when you state you're an elder, you know, people just come because you're an elder. Right. When you're trying to help people in the name of Jesus, oh, you're going to be quite busy. Exactly. And I, I believe God sends them to you. I mean, it, it's like, remember when he told uh, Paul he was having such opposition, it's in Acts somewhere, but, uh, and the Lord spoke to him in a dream, and he said, I got people here in this city that, that'll help you. And uh, that, that always moved me, because yeah. I thought, God knows who his people are, and you're there for a reason. And so we have to be open-minded to look for opportunities. I mean, today what we're talking about— But you think about Jay's before you leave that, that's exactly why God, Jesus, sent Paul, sent Saul— to Ananias, I mean, he was already having a conversation with him. Could he have not told him everything that Ananias told him? He could have, but he didn't choose to do it that way. He said, I want you to go in the city, spend three days contemplating your life, and then I'm going to send you somebody. And he did. And that guy was Ananias. And it was really funny because Ananias, this is in Acts 9, Ananias was like, "Uh, Lord, are you sure... You know, this This is a bad dude. When you're crawling around on the ground after being struck by a storm and a bolt of lightning hits you and told you to shut up and get off off of that horse. You're persecuting me. It, while you're crawling around, you'll be, you'll be very calm. He was kind of open-hearted at this point. <laughs> but to Jason's point, I think it, God provides a, a guide. And so even for Saul— who then became the most influential early church leader, wrote half the New Testament, he had a guide. You would have thought that he'd be the last one holding people's clothes, Stephen's clothes, while well, they stoned it, him to death. It would t- and right, to our point. You he talk- was doing some rough stuff. He was doing exactly what Jesus was saying here in Luke 11. Uh, that's it. Because he was killing the prophet. He, ki- he was the one that oversaw the murder of Stephen. Yeah. So he was exactly that kind of Pharisee. Yeah, we're talking about, and yet he became a son of the Almighty. Let's take another break. So Lisa and I have uh, been looking into uh, some of our medical needs, and we came across a group called Samaritan Ministries, and we're really excited about it. It's, it's a community of Christians that basically pay each other's medical bills. Uh, it's not insurance. It's assurance that you're part of a health care sharing community. I love the name. Uh, anytime you have biblical names, Jace, that's always a, a good thing. Um, and so here's how it works. You can join anytime. Your medical bills are sent to Samaritan Ministries. They notify fellow members to pray for you, but also to send money directly to you for your shareable bills. So your medical bills get paid. Uh, you'll also find comfort in prayers and encouragement from fellow members. And when another member has a need, you'll do the same for them. This isn't a faceless company. It's an opportunity for ministry. Samaritan Ministries has no network restrictions, so you have total freedom to choose whatever doctors, hospitals, and treatments are best for you and your family. Members get access to exclusive health resources to help medical costs stay low. They're a biblical solution to health care uh, when we bear one another's burdens. So join 80,000 Christian households across the nation uh, that are sharing $30 million in medical needs every month. Become part of this community today at SamaritanMinistries.org slash unashamed. SamaritanMinistries.org slash unashamed. Join today. Yeah, and just before I read our text in Luke 12, I think it's the best illustration I can think of because for a leader, 
the biggest temptation is for you to somehow think that you're better than people yep. because you now have a position That's right. that people think, oh, he's, he's holy. He's, he's, he's an elder. He's a priest. He's so, I mean, that, that's, that's what people tend to do. But at, at the end of the day, we're all human beings, which means we're all sinful. We're all weak. And the Holy Spirit moves in, and that's what people are attracted to. So whenever you think they're attracted to you because of your position, instead of the Holy Spirit that indwells you, that's on you. And the number one accusation against Christianity is what Jesus is going to talk about in Luke 12. It's hypocrisy. Yep. I mean, when you're claiming to be holy or you're looking holy and your heart is not humble before God, well, that you're, you're, a, you're a hypocrite. Yep. And when people see that, it deters people from coming in to the kingdom, which is why he said at the end of Luke 11, in verse 52, where we left off, you yourselves have not entered I mean, uh, the first sentence says, Woe to you experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you're hindering those who are, who are trying to enter. So I think. And I've it, always thought that key to knowledge is really just the simple open heart. In other words, the key to understanding is if a willingness to understand. Oh, I thought it's because they were, t- they were accusing Jesus of having a demon. Right. Well, well you know, if you demonized Jesus, you've taken away the key to knowledge. Right. Oh, I mean... That's what I'm saying. And, and, well, and having a, I guess having an open heart goes along with it. Because you've closed off it any It flies in the face of all the things he did to crush Satan and the ones who were representing him. I mean, and you're bad-mouthing the one that's doing that. I mean, either they're blind or... You, you, you tell me. But, James, we use that same terminology today. We'll say, well, he... This person is demonizing that person. When you demonize somebody, you're never going to listen to anything that person has to say because no. he's a demon now. Like, I'm not listening to that person. So even the very description of that, which, again, we see in modern politics, you demonize a whole group of people, you're never going to listen to anything these people have to All say. Right. And we have, too, we have too many leaders who are persecuting the members so because it, it makes them feel more holy. That's right instead of being persecuted for doing it Jesus's way. Because if you do it Jesus's way, you're going to be persecuted. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, the best example I can think of is, you know, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, because here was a young church who was in the apostle era. So they were given these gifts. Their leadership was young. Because, you know, when I read First Corinthians, my biggest question is where, where were the elders? Because, I mean, they had so much going on. Right. I mean, they were having identity issues, you know, men wanting to dress like women and women like men. People are surprised that's in the Bible. But they were so uh, so selfish in, in thinking, because we have these gifts. Same struggles yeah. all these years later. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're holy, and we can do anything we want to do. It empowered them to a point to where they missed who the power source was. They were like, oh, well, we must be special. We can do anything. And, I, you know, I've probably wrongly always given them a little bit more of a pass than in the modern era because I'm like, well, you know, it was new. Christianity was new. This thing had just started. 
you know, the whole church was new. They were new Christians themselves, even though they were recognized as leaders. But that's probably too much of a pass. It kind of still comes back Their to that. Their culture was a was a sinful one. It was well, tough. It was a city where, you know. Whereas people... now I'm looking 2,000 years later, I'm like, we should know better. We have 2,000 years of history. But at the same time, if it's selfish desire, to Jason's point, whether it was 2,000 years ago or today, and hypocrisy is still the same. I'll yeah. see a guy, a leader in a church, who's a hypocrite, who's having an affair with somebody in his church, and yet he's up there saying he's leading people to Christ. Oh, it happens every it day. It happens every single and day. twice on Sunday, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. And so I just wanted to give you a little thumbnail about what we're talking about in Paul's letter to Corinthians, and you can go back a few hundred podcasts. We went through these books. But just, just to— Go back a few hundred podcasts. Yeah, check back about 300 podcasts ago. You'll find them. But, you know, he says in 2 Corinthians 5, which, you know, is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because it really describes our role here on earth today. In verse 14, it says, Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. Now, if that's not the gospel message, I don't know what is. And you got to remember in his first letter to the Corinthians, he had to remind them of the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, which is a complete embarrassment. And in verse 15, it says, and he died for all. Now, here's the key, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Even in the church, you know, when you think about this verse, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And then he goes on to say in verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled or brought us to himself through Christ. Same, same message gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So we're doing this unselfishly based on Christ's love, not because we're trying to keep the law and feel good about ourselves, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors. Well, he gets to chapter 6, and he makes this interesting statement. As God's fellow workers... We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. There, there's the leadership. But he, he gave them a warning. Don't receive God's grace in vain. You say, well, how could you do that? You, you could do it by the, what they were doing, thinking this is about you and not Christ's love and his grace that's compelling you to do that. So you get all the way over to chapter 11, and an issue came up where Paul was being persecuted, and watch what it says in verse uh, 13, talking about false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. So really that's what happens in leadership, and it's called hypocrisy. Yeah. And the evil one works. He does some of his best work in that arena. So you see all the common denominators where this has to happen. When you're no longer looking at God's grace, you're no longer looking that Christ died for all. You think there's classes of people, you know, the holy ones and the ugly ones, yeah. or the clean ones and the unclean ones. You think by your position somehow you're better than somebody. You'll preach the gospel message, but then in your life and heart, you won't live accordingly. And it happens every day. So to take us back to Luke 12, and the only reason I'm jumping ahead is so we can grasp 
him saying, don't let the yeast of the Pharisees get over into your heart. Yeah, and I want to read another verse from that. Let's uh, take a break. Welcome back. We're in uh, First Corinthians. I want to read this from First Corinthians 4, Jace, because I did the same thing you did, but I jumped ahead to First Corinthians. Same concept, because I was thinking how crazy it is to think hypocrisy will work. One is, we even know in this life, it usually catches up with you because the evil one tricks you and then exposes you to make you look worse. But even then, Paul had says something else there in 1 Corinthians 4. He says, uh, men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Now, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. He's talking about himself, but he's also talking to the leaders in Corinth. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. And this is my point and his point about hypocrisy, because ultimately you can't hide anything from God. Therefore, verse 5, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. So the thing about hypocrisy that's so crazy, it can never work because God knows everything. And then there's a reckoning always. So this idea that somehow you're going to live this double life. And slick God. And slick God out of things is crazy. How how would it even possibly work? It goes along the Acts 15 when Peter was getting over the Pharisees. It says God knows the heart. And we've said in, in earlier podcasts, you know, the heart is really that central feature of your being on what is the most important to you. It's what really you do. your heart's in your head. It, That's right. Well, it's, it's it, mind, it's emotion, it's all of it. It's what you do when you're, by your, when you're by yourself, yeah. when, you're, when you're thinking, you're not distracted. And, you know, if God and his grace is not there in those moments, if it's just nothing or whatever worldly is is on your heart in those moments you realize that there's a problem here yeah that's why a lot of my recommendations for people in leadership who have had these giant falls and i've had a couple of extreme cases where when we sat down they won't stop talking because they're justifying or yeah and i'm like stop talking and and start serving just you know take a year and don't say anything just, you know, prove your repentance by your deeds, your heart. Sh- show us yeah. instead of, because that's what people a lot of times do. They they try to justify their heart being away from God by giving the gift of gab that a lot of leaders have. And you're looking at their life and hearing what they say, and you're saying, this is not adding up. A lot of so. times they form a faction of people who agree with their <clears throat> improper use of the scriptures and and the the worst thing that happens is they break off. Life goes on, but you know some of them just still. That's right. Well, and, and that was I love that statement Paul made in First Corinthians four. He says, "My conscience is clear, but that doesn't mean I'm innocent." You know, there's a lot of ways to try to clear your conscience. He talked later about searing it with a hot iron, yeah. so that you wouldn't yeah. feel anymore. So yeah, it makes me think. I had a, there was a guy who who. He would do things that a man shouldn't do in leadership, like visit single women. And, you know, well, I confronted him about it. 
I was like, that's not a good idea for a leader to do. You know, I initiated the conversation and it spawned things for him to justify what he was doing. And he would start talking like, well, I, you know, I have a special gift, you know, from God, you know, I'm not tempted like other men. And, and I was like, well, I have a verse in Corinthians says no temptation has seized except what is common, common to, to man. man. We, no, you're a man and, and I know this is not a good idea. So it eventually led to, I said, I'm not going to have any more discussions unless you quote Bible verses. You know, anything that you got that's not written, I don't care about because I'm looking at the way you operate and I'm thinking it won't be long. If you continue to visit, why is it always single women? You know, I, I was yeah. confronting him. And so then he agreed to only use Bible verses. And uh, it wasn't a month later. I never saw him again. He, he moved on because yeah. I thought he, he realized this is not going to work because I'm not getting off of it. And you can't manipulate the scriptures claim to be a leader. I, I think I know who you're talking about. And I'll tell you this, many years later, Jays, it ended horribly for this man because yeah. he was lying to himself that entire time and to you, by the way. But if you were sitting there listening to this guy, he had a gift he did. of manipulation and uh, uh, when he spoke. And, and that's the danger. And that's what really is uh, you know, a black eye on what we're representing uh, being in Jesus and God's fellow workers, but only because in the light of God has given us his Holy Spirit that people are drawn to, and we just point people to Jesus. It's not about us. But that's why Dad had read that earlier about the elder thing, and he's right. Anybody who assumes a role of leadership, you have to take that responsibility so seriously because people are listening to what you say. They're following your lead and your example. I mean, Paul said it over and over and over again, but he recognized who he was and he was honest. And he said, you know, look, I'm a fallible man, but you shouldn't just take that mantle upon yourself. And if you're living a hypocritical lifestyle, like he's talking about here, you're going to lead people down a terrible path. That's not good for you. Exactly. And some people may be Usually the fruit among those types the, the fruit is lacking. I mean, it the, is. The fruit of their position, it's lacking. It's just, Some people young in the faith may be saying, well, if this is the case, well, I can never speak because we're all sinful. But that's where you get into acknowledging your sin, yep. being humble. Yep. That, that's what we do. That's what confession is all about. I mean, when you get it out there, yes, God is a God of grace. He can forgive. He uses all of us despite our baggage and our message you know and age it's age uh is uh it's a it's a point that needs to be brought up in all of this in other words age has, has to do with it that's why they're called elders yeah. <laughs> that means older yeah <laughs> that so means you've lived a little life yeah so let's read our text you know, who you visit and when well older guys will say uh no that's exactly right no yeah, let them, let them have some season. Let's take our last break. So let's read our text in Luke 12. I think we've laid a pretty good platform to wrap our heads around this. So meanwhile, this is 12.1 of Luke. When a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. 
There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known, which is a very profound, Mm -hmm. somewhat scary verse. You know, just because you've done something and you think since time has passed that it's gone away. No, it's not gone away. It's not gone anywhere. We're, We're talking about an eternal, immutable God who doesn't, you know, forget. Time has no effect on his memory. Because that's what most of the people try to do. You know, you think in our world when you get away with something, it's just that time has passed and you kept it secret. But God is like, everything will be made known. Verse 3, what you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight, and what you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs, which really gave me an image of, what happens in leadership as far as politics and kingdoms throughout the earth. You know, there's always a coup going on. Everybody has this quest for power and there's secrets. And, you know, you have the CIA and everybody's jockeying for position. And so many of Hollywood's movies are about, you know, the corruption of power because that is what goes on. And you say, well, why why is the most powerful people corrupt? Because they're trying to maintain their power. Yeah. But they're flawed human beings, and they make mistakes, so then the cover-ups begin. And it happens in the church as well. So verse 4, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after the killing of the body, has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. And then, now watch, that is a very powerful statement, but it's, And we know God is a God of justice, but he's also a God of grace, because then what's what he says next? Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. So in one breath, he says, you know, fear the one who can throw you into hell. But then he's like, don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And, and, And to that point, before you read the rest of it, you're right. Obviously, he's saying I, he's not saying fear God because he's a much bigger monster than the one you've been fearing. He's saying fear God because he has the power to save you and that you don't have to be afraid of him. But he's the one that's going to make all things right. So, yeah, Which it's just the beauty of God's grace. Yeah. You know, so verse eight, I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before men, the son of man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But he who disowns me before men will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourself or what you will say. And boy, this is a beautiful verse. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. So <clears throat> this, and Jace did a good job, I think it was in the last podcast, of pointing out by reading the Mark account, Matthew account, that this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, here it seems like it's a little harder to grasp, but when you put it in the context of how it was said in all three times it was that it was recorded, you understand it's just a denial of Jesus. It's saying that Jesus Christ has an evil spirit. He, he's of the evil one. Yeah, and, they were accusing him in Luke's version. It's in Luke 11, 14 through, what is that, 
28, that they were saying the, the way he was driving out demons was because he had a demon instead of it's the Spirit of God because, you know, Jesus clearly told them, if I'm doing this by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom is coming. That's in verse uh, 20. But I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God. If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. And the reason the reason we mention that is because we always talk about studying the Bible in the context that it's written because you can go in and pluck out this one verse, and many people have done this through the years, and then build a whole doctrine or some kind of philosophy off of the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit, and that's what they've done. Well, it is confusing. It is. Look, there's hundreds of 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 uh, manuscripts out there trying to explain, well, why did Jesus say you can be forgiven for speaking against him and not be forgiven of speaking against the Holy Spirit? Right. But it, that is the way... Jesus was working. If you're denying this is coming from the Spirit of God, well, why would you ever come to Jesus? Yeah. But if you're just saying something about him personally, okay. I mean, he was persecuted. And he you don't was acknowledge, if you don't acknowledge the Spirit of God, which you receive when you come to Jesus, you point them to Jesus. It's through Jesus they receive the Spirit. If you don't, if they don't receive the Spirit, they they lose love, joy, peace, patience. The fruit's not there until you have him. Right. Well, exactly. Well, plus remember, I mean, he said he's very careful about the way he said it. He said, "If they speak a word against the Son of Man, that, that's why point him to Jesus. Meaning that him, him being here as a human, he got it that they were having a hard time wrapping their mind around that he's the Son of God. Well, you remember Nathaniel. Remember when he said. You know, his brother, Philip, I believe, said, hey, here's, I want you to meet the Messiah. And he's like, where are you from? I know I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> he's like, well, I'm, you know, a little place called Nazareth. He's like, nothing good coming out of there. I mean, <laughs> well, he's speaking against the Son of Man here because he's right. like, well, no way. And you remember what Jesus said, you know, come and see. And we know eventually he's like, oh, he's speaking by the Spirit of God. That's right. And I think that's a. Pretty good example. It is. And and just to read this again, because it, it, it's very clear in the Mark account, as soon as he says, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. That's the one that scares people. But then he clarifies exactly what he meant by that. He says in verse 30, this is Mark 3, he said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. So, I mean, it very much clarifies yeah. the context of what was going on. And if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. You can't. You, when you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, you are blaspheming against Jesus at the ultimate sense because what you're saying is is he's evil. And if he's evil, then you can never follow him. And if you can never follow him, of course it's an eternal sin. You can, yeah. ne- you can never get right. Which brings up a lot of controversial passages in, you know, after Jesus died and was buried and raised. And one of them we've discussed and maybe argued for years is in Hebrews 6. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote that down. But I wanted to read it because in the churches, you know, people, they don't preach on this because they're like, what What does it mean? <laughs> but I think right now, this is a really good place to go Yep. because it, it seems to make more sense. You know, now look, 
you can go back a couple hundred podcasts and read our study on Hebrews. Yep, well, we talked about it. But in Hebrews 6, verse 4, there's a, quite a statement. It says, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, so you're assuming Jesus, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away to be brought back to repentance because to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. Now, if you just stop there, you think, what are they saying? You, you, you can't come back if you fall away, which is a scary thought. Right. People have argued. But when he goes on to do this little parable, to Phil's point about the fruit of the Spirit, it kind of makes sense because then it says land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed receives the blessings of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed in the end will be burned. And I really think this passage captures the pharisaical spirit by where you're trying to do holy things and you're trying to check all the boxes, but in your heart, you're a million miles away from God's grace. You're not acknowledging the Holy Spirit as a real viable thing working in the hearts of men and women. And therefore, if you fall away from the Holy Spirit working in the lives of ordinary human beings, and you're, you're viewing that, you know, Jesus in cahoots with the demonic world, why would you ever come back to that? Yeah. You know, and it's not like you can't come back. You're just in a position where you wouldn't. That's it. What are you coming back to? That's it. And so when you're calling the goodness of God evil or you're masking that in a way where it's not truth, it, you, you're, there's no appeal there to, to yeah, and you back. could almost flip that on the negative side. Let's let's talk more about that in our overtime. We're out of time, but uh, you're right. That fits so much in the context of what we're talking about. If you want to follow us over to finish this discussion about the Holy Spirit, this blaspheming, denying of the Holy Spirit, uh, these impossibilities, some of those texts, we'll talk Thanks about that a little bit more. Thanks for listening to the slash Help us out by rating us where on our overtimes, uh, And don't miss an episode is, so by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.